What is up, family? It's Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor and the author of Pre-Med Mondays. Both books are available on Amazon.com, so make sure you grab a copy. And you are listening to Black Men in White Coats podcast. Today's guest got me super excited. It's my good friend, or actually I should say my great friend, Dr. Michael Kelso. He and I have been friends for several years now, did some of our training together. And when I asked him to do this episode, I thought, hey, I know everything about him. I know what he's going to say. But boy, was I wrong. And the personal lesson I learned from that is no matter how well you think you may know somebody, there's always more to their story. Dr. Kelso has been through some things. He's had some struggles and overcome those struggles. He's gone through a pruning process that most people don't ever get a glimpse of. And after you hear this episode, you'll understand why he's such a great clinician, why he's such a great husband, father, innovator, and all-around great guy. And to my parents, teachers, and students who are listening, Make sure you go to blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash worksheets so you can get the worksheet for each one of these podcast episodes. We've got some great questions prepared for you to get you thinking intentionally so you can grow as much as you possibly can from each episode. If you're a teacher, I highly encourage you to use this as an extra credit assignment for your students, okay? And allow me to say this as well. Even as the founder of Black Men and White Coats, as a practicing physician who also has a wife who is a physician, our children are still listening to black men in white coats. And my oldest boy, who is seven, will still be doing the worksheets. That's how important these things are, okay? So I highly encourage you to make sure your children, your students are taking advantage of this opportunity, all right? So that's enough for me. And now, it is my privilege and honor to introduce you to my great friend, Dr. Michael Kelso. Hi, my name is Michael Kelso, and I consider myself a doctorpreneur. Probably did not think I would ever be a doctor in my life in the very beginning, or consider that even a possibility when I entered in public school in Baltimore City. I lost my mother when I was 10 years old in a motor vehicle accident. I was in the fifth grade. Just me and my brother were sent over to live with my aunt and uncle and cousin in southern Texas in the Rio Grande Valley. My life was turned upside down, and probably that was one of the most important things to ever happen to me. I think in the fifth grade, I was probably going down the line of wanting to be liked by others and to conform and not be myself and not strive to become my full person, an individual. My dad ultimately came back and uh, took us back into the house, and we we lived in Baltimore. My focus changed. I became a little bit more involved in my education. At some point, I I, uh, moved to Baltimore in 1996 when my my dad felt it was important for him to try to get a job somewhere else. Uh, We could no longer afford living in the area that we were living in. And job opportunities in Baltimore seemed more appealing. And also, we were closer to family. So I went from a pretty diverse suburban neighborhood in Grand Prairie, Texas, to Baltimore City, and went into a high school, a magnet high school, that was probably 95% African American, which was a huge shock for me. Never been in an environment like that. City was rough. I felt sort of out of place most of the time that I was there. In the ninth grade, I, um, I remember once again trying to fit in, 
skipping classes and not doing my work, having to do summer school or nearly do summer school for for an English class that I had failed essentially and had to do makeup work to pass the class with a C. And I told myself after the ninth grade that I would never allow myself to struggle like that again or not to live to my full potential. My father, he did graduate from high school, but he probably reads at a you know fifth to sixth grade level. And I remember having to sit down with him and help him write letters or read certain things on documents that he wasn't able to read on his own or spell words that he couldn't spell. And it humbled me to know that uh, my family doesn't come from any significant means, but they were full of hope and and dreams for for their children. I ended up graduating uh, with an IB diploma from Baltimore City School, the first male in the whole city to graduate with an IB diploma from a public school. And I remember having an argument with my dad in our kitchen uh, when he told me he thought I should go into the military instead of going to college because he couldn't afford for me to go. He told me that I would have to pay for it on my own. I did. I I stood up to him and told him that I, I did not want to go into military. I wanted to go to college. I took out whatever loans I could to attend University of North Carolina Chapel Hill and did work study to try to make ends meet while I was there. The whole time, you know, being a physician was never a possibility or even a consideration at the time. I was fortunate enough to do a summer research experience at Johns Hopkins Hospital as a high school student and did that for the summer after graduating from high school and also throughout my undergraduate experience working at a bench doing experiments, which did open up a a lot of doors for me, particularly with being exposed to physicians, scientists, working on cutting-edge projects that no one else had ever worked on before. It gave me a level of confidence knowing that I'm capable of doing things that you know, graduate students and PhDs were also doing. And also the opportunity to present at conferences, not only on campus, but nationally traveling to different student conference to get conferences to present my research. Ultimately, I ended up graduating with a biology degree, still not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. I ended up going to Malawi, Africa for several weeks, about a month and a half, to teach HIV AIDS education to children in rural primary schools. There, I became very aware of my own ambition to help people on a more personal level, to be able to touch the human body and to address needs that were more pressing than your day-to-day preoccupations like paying bills, cell phones, recreation activities. I saw the gap in the healthcare that was provided there and the knowledge the children and their parents had about health conditions. And I left there determined that I needed to be a clinician to really make an impact 
in communities like that, but also in communities at home, particularly inner city communities and rural areas. I went home to live with my parents for another year in Baltimore, again, working in a research lab at Johns Hopkins, and spent the next several months studying in the evenings after work, taking a class, a Princeton review class for the MCAT and financing that, that class because I couldn't afford to pay for it out of pocket. And I remember taking the test and walking out of it as if I did really well, only to find out several months that I didn't do that well. I scored a 23 on the MCAT, which was disheartening. I felt like I, I let myself down. I let my family down. I thought to myself, how could this be possible? I did so well in two subject matters, and my verbal was very low and sort of messed up my opportunity to really do well. At that time, you could only take the MCAT once or twice a year, and I was determined that I didn't want to have to go through that process again. Rather than study, I told my boss and at Hopkins that was not going to be able to fulfill my two-month, my two-year commitment in the lab, that I was moving to North Carolina to establish my residency so that I can be in-state resident when I apply for medical school, which made the odds of getting in a little bit easier, but also to apply for the medical education program, which is a nine-month intensive pre-med pre-dental course that occurs in the summers. And he sat me in his office. He brought me in. And he said, you know, um, I understand why you're leaving. He gave me an analogy of being sort of a gambler or compared myself to being, compared me to being a gambler, saying that, you know, either you can gamble your life and win big or not gamble at all and neither, neither win or lose. And with that being said, I left the lab. Uh, that was in 2005, the summer of 2005. Packed everything up in my car, moved to North Carolina with no job, no source of income. I spent the next two and a half months sleeping on the floor of an empty apartment of a friend of mine who had already moved out but still had a couple months left on her lease. And she let me stay there for free. Every day I would get dressed as if I was going to work and go and look for jobs. By the grace of God, I ended up getting a job in a research lab again. Meanwhile, applying for medical school. I applied to, I think, four or five medical schools that year and got rejected from each one. Not even an interview, not even a secondary application just straight rejected. Again, I felt defeated. I left Baltimore to come down here to figure out my, my path and my future. I applied for the MED program that spring. And again, initially, I was rejected because my undergraduate GPA wasn't that great. Fortunately, a family friend that worked in the office and had their program director take a look at my application once again and then 
I was able to get in. Another year passed working in the lab before I could do the, the program. And when I did the program, I decided that I was going to put my whole heart into it. I was going to work hard as possible. I was going to hard work, focus so much on it that I wanted to prove to myself and to everyone else that I was capable of excelling, doing well. I finished in the top three of my MED class. I applied to medical school that same year. Program director, Mr. Keith, was battling colon cancer and was in and out of the MED office, mostly out of the office. And he mustered up enough energy to come and, and sit on the admission board and make sure that particular people were being strongly considered for admission to the medical school. I remember talking and calling the admission office over and over again and asking and inquiring whether my application had been reviewed. And I remember at one point being told that my application was not going to be considered for matriculation for admission, that I wasn't even going to get an interview. My heart sunk. If it wasn't for Mr. Keith sitting on the admission board and again advocating strongly for me, I would have never gotten an interview. I would never have gotten a full scholarship to UNC Medical School to pay them back for all their goodwill and and believing in me. I made sure that it, when I entered in school that I was going to perform better than everyone else, that I was going to do well in medical school. I, I studied countless hours. I did everything I could to make sure that I wouldn't let them down, that their, them sticking their neck out would not come back and bite them in the future. I did finish near the top of my class, my medical school class. I did go to a residency program in an Ivy, Ivy, Ivy League institution. I was accepted in a gastroenterology program that was is one of the toughest in the nation. And now I'm in private practice as a practicing gastroenterologist. I'm a first generation college graduate, first generation doctor. I owe all that I am right now to God, my family who supported me throughout the way particularly my parents, my dad, my teachers who believed in me, my mentors like Mr. Keith, Dr. Frierson, who was my mentor in undergrad as far as science is concerned. At each point along the way, there was someone there in my time of need to help me get to that next level. And that person was never, hardly ever, a doctor an administrator, they were people who were just planted there, I believe, to help me get to where I needed to be. And so my piece of advice is to surround yourself with individuals who want to see you succeed. And believe in yourself, never ever give up. Work hard, believe in yourself, and it's possible. It's possible for you to live out your dream, whether it's to be a doctor, 
whether it's to be a nurse, whatever profession you want to go into, it's possible. Indeed it is. The take-home message from Dr. Kelso, it is possible. I'll tell you, reflecting on that statement right there, the thing that so many students say is, Dr. Dale, it's just so hard. It's too hard. And they use that word too. And I spoke about this last week. Yes, it is hard, but it's not too hard. And listening to what Dr. Kelso just said, if you heard that whole story and if you saw that, how by the grace of God and with hard work, determination and ego-like focus, he made it, you should know that you can make it. Your child can make it. Anybody can make it. It is possible. So thank you so much again to my great friend, Dr. Michael Kelso. It is an honor to have you do our first episode. This is really our first one. Last week was just me doing an introduction. So this right here is really the first one. So it's an honor, it's a privilege. And I say thank you so much, my friend, for doing that. If you guys would like to connect with him, his Twitter handle is at Dr. Kelso. That's at sign D-R-K-E-L-S-O. So make sure you connect with him on Twitter if you have any questions for him. To all my black men and white coats out there, we want to hear your stories. So just the way we did this episode, we'd love to hear your story, okay? All you have to do is email us, podcast at blackmenandwhitecoats.org, podcast at blackmenandwhitecoats.org, and we'd love to get you on the episode, let you tell your story, the struggles, the challenges, the victories, the successes, the words of encouragement. We need that. We need students to hear that, okay? So we want your stories. Next week, I'm super excited. Again, we've got Dr. Lamar Hasbrook. Dr. Lamar Hasbrook. He is a clinician leader. And I truly do mean that an executive at some of the highest levels and excellent position. And he also has a story that will get your brain thinking and let you know that it is possible. So you definitely don't want to miss that. Again, make sure you're doing the worksheets, www.blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash worksheets. You can go on there and register and we'll make sure we're sending you the worksheets for every episode. And please remember to click that subscribe button, share this with your friends. The more people who subscribe and the more shares we get, the more we can get this information out there to other people. And we're trying to change the narrative of the black man in America while at the same time inspiring our youth. And of course, I always do my best to make myself available to our pre-medical students, college, non-traditional, etc. So you can find me on premedstar.com and I'm happy to answer your questions. So thank you guys so very much for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week. I love you and have a great week. Shh.